Good morning, men, and thank you for joining the Everyman live stream. Always appreciate you being part of the Everyman movement. Uh, my name is Jason Park. I'm one of the teaching pastors here today, and we're going to spend the next uh, 30 minutes together uh, baking in God's Word and providing ourselves an opportunity to, to apply it to our lives. If you were here last week, the title of last week's message was Tactical Retreat. We defined a tactical retreat is finding yourself in a position that you could no longer defend and requiring you to fall back to a place where you could defend um, and provide yourself with the opportunity to, to regroup, to reload, and to re-engage. And we told that great story from Genesis 39, talking about Joseph and what I described as one of the most famous tactical alerts in the Bible. Well, we're getting to part two of that because last week we talked about to retreating to a place where we could regroup, reload, and re-engage. We're not designed to stay in that position. We're designed to plan for an opportunity to come out and take an offensive approach. So last week we talked about falling back to a defensive position. This week we're talking about taking an offensive position. If we're going to win the battle, we need to have an, an offensive capability. Okay? An offensive capability. The first passage I want to reference here today is Ephesians 6.17, where Paul writes, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Paul is talking about the full armor of God, and he mentions all these defensive weapons, just for to remind you, so the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the feet outfitted with the gospel, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. It's the one offensive weapon that we have in our arsenal. It's, the, it's a one offensive weapon. Everything else is, is a defensive weapon. The best thing about, about the sword of the spirit, about the word of God, is when we have the word of God and that offensive weapon, it gives us a better defense, right? Just like we like to say the best defense is a good offense. But when we have the word of God, so many things are provided to us that pertain to that full armor of God. If you just consider the faith, the shield of faith that Paul defines as something that stops the flaming arrows of the enemy, he says, well, what, it, what is faith? Hebrews defines it as the, the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. If that's, that's faith, well, well, how do I get faith? How do I have the capability of holding up that shield of faith? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. When we have a good offense, we have a good defense. In us as men, first, we need to realize we're in a fight. All right. Realize that we are in a fight for our lives every single day. If you hear me teach on any degree of regularity, you've heard me say these words. If you think you're not in a fight, it just means you're getting your butt kicked. Soon as you can acknowledge that you're in a fight, you start to appreciate what is my weapon of choice in this fight, because this is what takes down our enemy. It reminds me of a story, and of course I have stories for you, um, if you've grown accustomed to that. Uh, but years ago, um, uh, while I was still on the SWAT team, we were, we were training with some new equipment. We had this, we had this vendor come out, um, like would happen on a regular basis, and they would share with us tools that would kind of help us do our job better. On this particular case, 
the vendor came out and he had this new bullet resistant vest and it was supposed to be the most innovative piece of equipment out there. And so there was a handful of us that kind of were going to train and evaluate this piece of equipment. We were going to test it, see if we liked it or not. Right away, we could tell that it was very, very heavy, much heavier than anything else we had we're used to wearing, but this vendor was, was so proud of this piece of equipment. There was one particular guy on this SWAT team, been around for a while, former military guy, and if there's one thing that the SWAT guys are really good at is sharing their opinion with you, and he was not afraid on this occasion either. So he was kind of bothered with the weight and how it impeded his mobility, um, and he became critical of this vest, and the vendor got a little bit offended with him, and he kind of, kind of patronized this young SWAT officer, and he says to him, son, that thing stops bullets. Right? Tried to make this profound statement, it stops bullets. And this young man looked at him, and he picked up his rifle. He picked up his M4 rifle, and he said, no, sir, this stops bullets. It got real quiet, and we thought, wow, very profound statement. There was some truth to that, right? It's great to have a good defense, but we need to have a great offense. The sword of the spirit is a weapon we need against the enemy. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter eight. And if you haven't uploaded the notes from the Facebook page or the Everyman website, I definitely encourage you to do that. Great opportunity to take some notes as we're going through this this morning. Um, you can continue to refer to it at the end of the week or like I like to do is fold it up, stick it in my Bible because it's going to come back and it's going to provide me with a great resource sometime to come. So Luke 8, beginning at verse 5, it reads, A farmer went out to plant his seed. He scattered it across the field. Some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for a lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had planted. When he had said these things, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Moving on to verse 11, he continues, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The, the seeds that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. The seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So Luke and Jesus, Jesus in this passage in Luke is talking about two different things. He's talking about seed and he's talking about soil. The thing that should jump off the page to you is he's talking about one type of seed. There's only one type of seed in the story and he explains the seed is the word of God. 
right? But there's four types of soil. The soil represents how the, the seed, how the word of God is, how it's perceived, right? How it's, how it's appreciated, and more importantly, how it's received and cultivated, right? Now, you've probably heard a variety of messages on this passage, and, and the, 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 the pastor will try and, you know, invite you into a place where you can kind of figure out where on that continuum you, you fall within somewhere between the footpath and the good soil. We're going to focus on the good soil, right? We're going to focus because that's who we want to be. We want to be a man who perceives the Word of God, appropriately, who appreciates the Word of God, and who cultivates the Word of God in our life. And what it boils down to is, is how this Word of God is perceived and how it is appreciated. And to be the good soul, you have to recognize the power of the Word of God. You have to recognize the power of the Word of God. In last week's message on tactical retreat, I encourage you is, one, we have to recognize the danger that we're in, the, the capability of that danger, the blast zone of that danger, and then have a plan when we find ourselves in danger. This week, we're doing the exact same thing with the Word of God, and that's truly appreciating the power of the Word of God, the power of the Word of God. So on your handouts, if you have them, your first fill-in here is to acknowledge the source of its power. To acknowledge the source of its power. In Ephesians 6, Paul says the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It's, it's a sword from the Spirit, which should remind us of, of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness right? Those, those are from the Spirit. Those come from the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we can acknowledge that source, we, we appreciate that. 2 Timothy 3, 16, it says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness. If you're listening to me talk, I want you to, to repeat this word after me, God-breathed. If you have the notes in front of you, I want you to circle that passage on your notes. If your Bible is, is in front of you, it's open, I want you to circle how your Bible translates that, that God breathed. So that when you come across that, you are reminded where those words are coming from. When we are reminded of where the words are coming from, we give it different weight. We give it different weight. This is just not written by a man named Timothy. A man named Timothy was mentored by a God named Paul. And these were written by Timothy, but they were spoken by God, right? They were spoken by God. And when we can appreciate the source of these words, we'll appreciate them different. If you come and, and you hear me teach a Bible study, it's not uncommon for me to pray like this when I open up the Bible study. I, I, I ask God that we would treat his words as if they're being spoken to us. And I give this visual as if you are sitting across the table from us and we are listening. Imagine if you're sitting across the table from Jesus and he's talking to you, how do you think you're gonna listen? You're probably gonna pay close attention. You're gonna listen to those words differently as opposed to just thinking them as, as words on a page that were, they were printed in some type of factory, that this is more than just some book, right? It is a collection of the word of God and, and, and how amazing it is that we have access to the Word of God, that we can go to our tent of meeting in the morning, we can open up God's Word, and we can hear from the source of those words and, and remind ourselves of who that was. Who's, who's the source of this words? The Creator? The Creator of everything? 
And when we remember that, we appreciate it differently. So we acknowledge the source of its power. Secondly, we appreciate the capability of that power, right? We, we appreciate the capability of that power. Hebrews 4.12 reads, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In Eugene Peterson's The Message, it talks about it's, it's like a scalpel. It's cutting through fear and doubt. It's cutting through everything. It's, it's alive and it's active. It's not just words on a page. You know, in, in English language, it's, sometimes it's important for you to, to look at a sentence in the word and just kind of the tense, you know. And with regards to this, is, this is written in the present tense right? It's in the present tense. It remains in the present tense. It says the word of God is alive and active. It doesn't say it was. It doesn't say it used to be. It doesn't say it's not as alive and active as it used to be. It says it is as alive and active. The enemy wants us to just think of this as a book. If you, if you study the origin of the Bible, it is the oldest book that there is. Um, you know, the scientific evidence that, that shows the age of the Bible and how long it's been around is one of, one of the main reasons that we say that this is true because it still is around. The devil would prove, want us to, to believe that this is just words on a page, that, it, that it's a history book, right? The world would choose for us to believe, yeah, it's words on a page, that they, but they mean something different now. Or, or some of them have expired because of, because of change. You know, some of them don't quite apply anymore. They still apply. It's still alive and active. And for us to acknowledge the capability of that power, we appreciate it differently, right? We appreciate it when we acknowledge its capability. Ephesians 1, 19 to 20 says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. When we get to know the word of God, when we, con when we convene with, with God on a regular basis, and we spend time in our tent of meeting, and we have that personal relationship, and we have this by our side, some things happen, right? We, we can appreciate the power of it. In Ephesians 1, 19 to 20, if you back up to verses 17 and 18, it starts with Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you are called, right? When, when our eyes are enlightened and we know the hope to which we are called, he says here, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power, for us who believe this is the same as the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. When our, the eyes of our heart are enlightened and we can appreciate the hope to which we are called, we have access to the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Now, when I say those words, when you're hearing those words, that's unbelievable that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is within me, that I have access to that. When I can appreciate that, right? When I can appreciate that capability, what happens to me? I have hope. The eyes of my heart may be enlightened when I can appreciate the capability of that power. And then lastly, in this section, Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and the Gentile. The previous passage says that 
This power is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Now, Paul is saying that the power of God, it brings salvation. It transforms, right? It transforms. It, it results in resurrection from the dead. It tra transforms. It changes us. We're different, right? We're still the same, but we are different when it transforms. There's, a, there's this transformative formative power in the word of God. When we look at that word power, because it's the power, you know, I'm standing in this room, there's, there's lights in this room. You needed power to turn these lights on. When I, when I started my car, there was some power needed for me to, uh, to start my car. My cell phone needs power. This is a different power that we're talking about. This is, this is transformative power. This takes something and makes it different. This is a power and it can be expressed in many times in scripture when they use the word power, they use, you know, kind of the phrase associated with dynamite. Dynamite transforms something. It takes something and changes it, right? I use this, this reference every now and then in illustrating this, is if I took a, a stick of dynamite, I put it in my hand and I lit that dynamite and the dynamite had exploded, my hand would still be here, but it would be different, right? It would still be here, it would be different because it's been transformed. The word of God is a transformative power. And when we can acknowledge a source of that power and acknowledge the capability, like Paul says in Ephesians 1.19, we can, we can appreciate that and we can, can soften up our hearts. We can be the good soil. We can be the, the good soil for when that word is firmly implanted. So acknowledge the source, appreciate the capability. Next, anticipate the power. Anticipate the power of the word of God. Um, anticipation um, is, is something that we see pretty regularly when we're teaching people how to shoot weapons, especially handguns. You know, since we were small, and this is especially true in, in men, because since we were young boys, we would make guns out of sticks, and we would point them, and we would pretend that it recoiled right? There's something about that that gets ingrained in us. And one of the biggest mistakes somebody will make when they're learning to shoot a gun is they will anticipate the recoil of the gun. And that will impact, you know, the, the shot placement because the gun will take a different position. And we have to, to train that out of them. We'll do these drills where we'll take a magazine, we'll jam it full of live rounds, and then occasionally we'll jam a dummy round in there, which is not going to do anything. And so as the shooter is, is firing, boom, boom, and then at one time they'll get a click. And even when they get that click, they still recoil because they've anticipated the power. They're not doubting that this weapon is going to go off. We should not be doubting that this, that this weapon is not going to be powerful. We should, we, should, we should be anticipating that it's going to be power. We should, we should anticipate that that power is going to happen. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We need to appreciate the source of the power, appreciate its capability, and, and anticipate it, and be ready for it, and not be guessing. You know, back to that definition of faith. It's the assurance of things hoped for. We should have faith in the power of God's word. When it comes to a sword, when it comes to, to any weapon, there's, some, there's some, some proper weapon handling skills that we should, we should participate in, that we should practice. 
so that we have this weapon and we're prepared to fight with it. First, your weapon should be accessible, that your weapon is accessible. If your weapon is stowed away somewhere, it's useless, right? If you have a sword and it's stowed away in your car or in your garage or whatever, it's just a hunk of steel. It has absolutely no value to it, right? What good is it if you don't have it? You should have it, right? It should be accessible to you. This Bible here sits on my front seat. If you look in my back seat, guaranteed there's at least one more Bible. You say, Jason, why do you have so many Bibles? I say, why do you ask so many questions? Uh, you sound like my wife. I need a lot of Bibles, right? I got one next to my bed. Uh, I got one down in uh, on my desk in my office. You go to work, I got one there. I need to be tripping over them. They need to be accessible all day long. I need to be reminded that they are there. And that's part of the reasons why I have Bibles all over the place. I'm always reminded that, are there, that they are there. I never have an excuse to not have it. Yes, I will use the Bible app um, at times, but I like to hold my Bible. I like to, to, to mess it up. I like to, to write all over it and make notes and it kind of like document the time of my life, but it has to be accessible. It has to be ready to go. Um, Psalm 119, 30 to 32 says, I have chosen the ways of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. And I hold fast to your statutes, Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I have run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. The writer of Psalm 119, and we're going to revisit that a couple of times here, is there's this excess, it's, it's around, right? I've set my heart in your laws. I hold fast to your statutes. I run in the paths of your commands. You want a, a nice little piece of homework. Go to Psalm 119 and circle anywhere it says law, word, command, all the different references to God's word, right? The psalm, the writer of the Psalms is accessible. It's, it's always, always around. And when it's always around, it's changing me. I appreciate it. I'm being reminded of it. Colossians 3, 15 to 70 says, let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it Plenty of room in your lives, instruct and direct one another using good common sense and sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God, the Father, every step of the way. Our weapon, it needs to be accessible. It needs to be accessible. And so that, you know, there's a, there's a reason why that we need to access it because of the fact that at any point in time, we need to be able to draw from that word. And ideally, the more we access it, you know, the more it, it gets ingrained in us, right? When the scripture says, your word of, I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you, Psalm 119.11, that is, that is the word of God sticking to us. And that's, that's really the offensive weapon we wanna fight with. So in addition to it being accessible, your weapon needs to be ready. Weapon needs to be ready to go. We have this, this phrase when we're talking about different weapon systems in law enforcement, we have this phrase called patrol ready. And a patrol ready weapon is accessible and it's, and it's ready to go, right? It's ready to go in, in, in a time when it would be needed. Our, 
our weapon should be should be ready to go. Our weapon should be ready to go when we need it. Ephesians 6, um, 13 and 17 says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day comes, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Paul says, so when the day of evil comes, not if the day of evil comes. It doesn't say in the rare set of circumstances where evil comes, it's coming. It's coming. Perhaps right now you feel overwhelmed by the challenges that the, the, the war that you are facing, the war that you're facing, whether it's challenges in your relationships, challenges financially, challenges with, with health in your life, the day of, of evil's coming, the challenges is coming, and our response to that is to be ready, to stand our ground. And how do we stand our ground? We stand our ground with the defensive weapons and the offense, offensive weapons that we have. Continuing on in Psalm 119, 30 to 32 says, I choose the true road to somewhere. I post your signs at every curve and corner. I grasp and clean to whatever you tell me, God. Don't let me down. I'll run the course you lay out for me. If you'll just show me how. It says, I grasp and cling to whatever you tell me. I grasp and cling. I know where to go, right? I know where to go when I take these laws and these commands and these words. It allows me to be ready. Our weapon should be ready to go. Ready to go and ready to fight. Next, your weapon should be visible, right? People should notice the word of God in your life. People should notice the word of God in your life. Further on in Psalm 119 reads in 43 to 47 says, Nake, never take your word of truth from my mouth, for I've put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk in your freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak your statutes before kings, and I will not be put to shame, for I delight in your commands because I love them. I love it how he says, I will speak your statutes before kings. Never take your word out of my mouth. The writer of this is saying, it's leaking out. It's leaking out. The kings are hearing it. Everybody else is hearing it. This is obvious. To the, 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 the word of God is obvious in this man's life to the people that are in his life. I try and do my best to let the word of God leak out. Um, now, I'm not saying to go stand on the street corner and scream um, memory verses. That's not what I'm saying. I try and, and now maybe there's a time in their life, maybe there is a time to recite memory verses in a moment that, of somebody who ne tries to need it, who needs it. But I try and get uh, creative. And, and I'll tell you, the creativity comes in all sorts of ways because I want it to leak out. It reminds me of a story is that we were having a staff meeting at work and my boss, the boss, um, was, was frustrated about something. He, he was passionate about something that wasn't being done well, and that was being projected onto us in a very, very passionate sort of way. Um, and it was totally appropriate for him to at the time. And after he was done, he felt a little bit bad, and he just said, hey, you know, I appreciate you guys. I'm, I'm passionate about this. And so here we are. There's about 12 or 15 of us in the room, and I said, hey, boss, we needed to hear that. You know, every once in a while, even Jesus had to go in the temple and throw the tables over to remind people what's important, and that's what you did. Now, people laughed, right? I brought some brevity to the moment. I was able to show support for my boss, but you know what I did? 
I let the word of God leak out in that room. I let people remind me, I reminded them that this is important to me. And we can do that all day long. It's the way we live our lives. And like the writer of the Psalms, it says, keep it in my mouth, keep it relevant in your conversation so it's, so it's obvious to the people around you. Continuing on in Psalm 119, 171, it says, may my lips overflow with praise. If you teach your decrees, may my tongue sing of your word and all your commands of righteousness. There's this, this presence of God word, God's word that the writer is referencing there. But it's noticeable. It's obvious. You know, we um, kind of had this way of describing people that own guns in a joking sort of way. You have somebody who's a gun owner. Um, this is a person who you don't even know owns a gun. Um, they own just one or two guns. And then on this side, to the greatest extreme, you have the gun nut. There's a reason why we call them a gun nut, right? Well, in the middle, there's the gun enthusiast, right? The gun enthusiast. And it's a huge part of their identity. They love guns. Um, if you go to their Facebook page right now, there's a picture of their new gun. There's a video of them shooting their new gun. They love to describe their gun to you. Um, they know the, the, the maker, the manufacturer, the type of sight that's on it, the types of light that lights is on it. They've, they've rebuilt it with a new trigger and so on and so on and so on. They're, they're a gun enthusiast, right? And we know that about them because they speak about it. They're proud of it. They love it. You should be a gun enthusiast. You should be enthusiastic about this. And it should be obvious. It should be a, a, an important part of our identity. And people are hearing that leak out of us on a regular basis. We do this because we acknowledge the source, the power, the capability of his word. I remind you, that's that scripture that I had you circle in your Bible and your notes. It says God's word, his word is God breathed. They're his words. Because we're all day long, our brain is in a competition from hearing his word, God's word, right, and man's word. And there is this distinct difference between the two and how important it is for us to be reminded of that. And kind of three more fill-ins as we compare God's word to man's word. Your first fill-in here is God's word is light versus dark. God's word is, is light versus dark. Once again, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It lights our path. It lights our way. It provides us with, with access to the direction that we should be going. Light is a, is a powerful thing. You know, you, you think in terms of when it's completely dark and you can't see anything and, and the tension that you face in that. It's, this is the opposite of that. This provides us with this, that light. Light uncovers. Light exposes the things around us. It exposes the dangers around us. Light is one of the greatest tactical weapons ever because you know darkness, the enemy hides there. The enemy exploits the darkness in our life and this provides us with light. In addition to his word being light, his word is truth. His word is truth. Man's word is lies. John 8, 31 to 32 says, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. A scripture that's been referenced in church many, many times. A pastor would stand up and says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you. And we all yell free. But you got to back up a little bit to understand what is being meant when it says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John is saying, if you hold my teachings, if you hold my teachings, 
You don't just have them, but you hold them. You protect them. They're accessible. You use them. They're leaking from us all day long. Then we will know the truth, and then we will experience freedom. So in addition to his word being light and truth, lastly, it provides faith, right? It provides faith. Man's word produces fear. I referenced this passage earlier, and I said, so faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. Faith gives me assurance, right? Faith gives me assurance. Fear causes me to not be assured. Fear causes me to be afraid in the moment because I don't, I don't see that I'm safe. I don't, I don't know where I'm going, but faith gives us this assurance. So last week we talked about acknowledging the danger. This week we're talking about acknowledging and appreciating the word of God. The most important thing that you can do is acknowledge that you're in a fight and acknowledge how you're going to fight that fight. You're going to fight that fight with this. We're given so many examples in the Bible of how this was used to fight the enemy. The, the, probably the most famous is when Jesus is tempted by the devil um, after he's been fasting for 40 days. The devil makes three different you know, responses to him, makes promises to him. And what does he do? He quotes scripture. When the expert of law comes up to Jesus and tries to trick him, he says, what's the greatest commandment? He quotes scripture. This word of God should, should be ready, it should be accessible, it should be obvious, and this is how we fight. This is how we fight this fight that we're in. One last scripture in closing. It says, Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and the Gentile. The opposite of being ashamed is what? Is proud. The opposite of being ashamed of something is, is we make something relevant. We make it obvious in our lives. And nothing should be more obvious in our lives than the Word of God. The, the one offensive we have, one offensive weapon we have in the full armor of God. I pray for you today. I pray if you were in a fight, I pray that you have this accessible and ready to fend off uh, the enemy that in the war that you fight, would you pray for me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you today that we were able to hear from your word, not just words on a page, Lord, words that were God-breathed, words that provide power, transformative power that allow us to be prepared when the day of evil comes and when the schemes of the devil are made obvious in our life that we are prepared. We are prepared, we're prepared to take, to take a stand, Lord, and to be victorious. I pray for the men that are fighting a fight right now, Lord, that you would arm them, you would equip them with other men of God to surround them, to, to lift them up, and to allow them the opportunity to regroup, to reload, and re-engage the enemy by way of the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God. We thank you, we love you, amen. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon.